Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome or welcome back to the Thoughts That Manifest podcast. I'm your host, Elle, and I am a mindset and manifestation coach who aims to inspire you to awaken your mind to the limitless potential that is within you. I am back today with another episode, and this episode, I guess, could be a bit controversial, but it's really just about me sharing my experiences of, you know, my own health journey, the health of those around me, and how our health issues were treated and handled, and how experiences like these contributed to a struggle with not only trusting myself, but how it contributed to my lack of trust in the healthcare system. Now, please keep in mind, this is my personal experience my viewpoint based off of personal experiences that I personally went through. Everything we experience in life shapes our opinions and our perspectives. So this is just mine. It's not right or wrong. It just is. It's also important to note that I am not telling you not to trust the healthcare system because my personal experiences are very separate from what you have personally experienced. There's most likely a lesson that I'm meant to learn through experiencing these situations within the healthcare system, which is why I went through them, right? This is more so just me sharing my perspective to maybe bring awareness around the fact that not everyone experiences the same treatment when it comes to healthcare, and that there are, in fact, real-life situations that happen within the healthcare system that can change the direction of someone's life. So if you have experienced you know, something similar, just know that you aren't alone is what I'm trying to get at. And I'm also just trying to share what I learned through these very specific experiences. Oftentimes, you know, I find myself feeling kind of like an awful person for even questioning the motives behind the healthcare system so much, especially here in the United States, because, you know, that's the firsthand experience that I have. Nowadays, it's really hard to have opinions in this society that we live in or offer different perspectives without having it being taken the wrong way, taken out of context. Or, you know, if you have an opinion that is different than someone else, people can get extremely defensive. And depending on what that opinion is, you know, you could be taken as some horrible person for not trusting everything that you're fed. And the thing is, I know there are so many incredible humans that work in healthcare. I have many nurses as close friends whom I have so much respect for because working in healthcare is not easy. And many individuals are out saving lives every single day. It's incredible, truly, the impact, the positive impact that so many people in the medical field have on the collective as a whole. But that doesn't mean that there isn't times in the healthcare system where there is letdown, failure, mistakes, you know, and real life trauma from experiences that happen, whether it's, you know, a doctor or, you know, a hospital experience, a medical condition that wasn't taken seriously, things like that. And that's just what I'm trying to shine a light on. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is when I look at it from a broader perspective, I can see where the system is broken, and I've seen this play out in my own life. And when I dig even deeper, 
I can also see how these experiences shaped my own beliefs and how it's taught me so many valuable lessons, especially about myself. So again, as a disclaimer, this is not meant to be advice. It's just a conversation with a friend and me sharing my own personal experiences and how it shaped me and my perspective. So if you are ready to dive into today's episode, then let's get into it. Self-trust. Self-trust was something I lacked a lot of during the early part of my life. A lot of this was due to emotional experiences that I was put into at a young age. It all started, I feel like, when I was in fifth grade, my dad had gotten injured at work. And this began a huge emotional shift within my life. As a bit of background, before this injury, I felt like my dad's world. He was always volunteering to chaperone my field trips. When he came home from work, You know, he always had something for me. He was rather mellow for the most part. We would sit together on the couch and watch shows as a family like that HGTV home improvement show where they flip houses for those in need. That was like one of his favorite shows. We would also watch American Idol. But when he got injured at work, it felt like that version of my dad was ripped away from me. And he was replaced with someone who was unrecognizable. What happened was my dad worked for a soda company. I won't disclose which one, but when he was at one of the stores, he was using the elevator and the elevator door closed on his shoulder. This ended up tearing his rotary cuff and he had to get surgery. Naturally, the doctors wanted to prescribe him painkillers. According to my dad, he had asked them if the pills that they wanted to prescribe him were addictive because he was a recovering addict at this point. It's been many, many years since he had, you know, touched drugs, but he wanted to make that very clear and they had ensured him that it was okay. Now, remember, this was like 20 years ago. Come to find out years later, it came out that the medication he was prescribed was actually very addictive and there was like a whole case on this. But it was that injury and those pills that had an insane effect on my dad and tore my entire family apart. Seeing a parent change before your eyes at a young age where you can't quite comprehend that it's not your fault And that you know your parent is, you know, mad, but that they're not mad at you, that they're struggling. He was struggling. He had lost his job. He couldn't work. He couldn't provide. He was in pain and he became addicted. And when he couldn't get more, he would go through withdrawals or he would escape to his friend's house to get anything that could help him with this excruciating pain that he felt from not only the nerve damage that he had from the surgery, but from the withdrawals his body was going through. And if you have seen a parent or someone close to you struggle with addiction, or you know even mental illness or both at the same time, then you know how hard it is. Walking on eggshells became the new normal. Everything was heightened for him. Every noise became too loud. It became a trigger for him. Every time I would fall and hurt myself, I couldn't tell him because I feared his reaction. 
it got to a point where I didn't want friends to come over because I knew that it would eventually lead to us triggering him as we played and him yelling and getting upset. I felt like I could not do anything right. I would sit at my desk at school wondering if there was something I did at home, like, you know, maybe my my room was messy and it would make him angry when I got home. It wasn't just the anger that I feared, but I also couldn't handle seeing my dad just surviving. It was like a constant struggle for him to survive. He would fall asleep on the couch, eat on the couch, never move from the couch unless it was time to clean or cook dinner. Since, you know, he was home 24-7 due to that loss of his job and not being able to work, that's where he spent all of his time. I could sense his depression, and at night, I struggled to sleep in my own room. My dad would stay up super late just blaring horror movies on the TV, and I remember my mom continuously asking him to turn it down, and I can't even remember a time where I saw my parents actually affectionate towards one another. All they would do is just fight about money and him going to his friend's house all the time. And looking back, I realized that it was because that's where he'd go to get additional drugs that weren't prescribed due to this addiction and withdrawals. Now, as a child, seeing all of this play out, I knew something was wrong. I could feel it. I knew that my dad wasn't okay and that my mom wasn't happy. I saw, you know, their marriage falling apart right in front of me and I caught on to his struggle with addiction. My mom was having to lock up his medication because it got that bad, and he would call my mom at work, just begging her to come home to give him more. It was unhealthy, and it was the hardest thing to watch my parents go through. But what made it even harder back then was that I internalized all of my dad's reactions. I felt like I was a constant problem. I felt like he was always mad and upset with me, and I felt like I had to do all I could to make sure he was happy and not upset. The dad that I knew before this injury was gone. And the hardest part about all of this, I think, is that before this, my family felt so close. I always go back to those days where my aunts and my uncles would come over and I would see my cousins. We would have holiday parties, cookouts. I would always go to my aunts on Halloween, camping at my uncle's campground in the summer. But after all of this happened, my dad had a huge falling out with his family. They hadn't spoken to him in nearly like 20 years, and neither have I. That entire side of my family feels like complete strangers to me. They know nothing about me except for a few posts that they see on Facebook. And, you know, I think back on how I always had this vision in my mind of what family was, what family felt like, what I wanted family to be, and I never got that. And I think that's something I struggle with the most. And for anyone listening who experienced something similar, then you can probably relate to how empty it feels to know that your family did not want to keep in touch. I tried to mend the lost connection, as did my dad, but it never worked. And as I look at this chapter in my life, I realize this is most likely something my soul really wanted to learn. How to find soul family. To be a voice for those who feel like they need to keep toxic family relationships in their life. Because guess what? You don't. There's been this toxic mentality in regards to family. That family is blood and no matter how toxic they are, you need to get over it and fix things. But at the end of the day, your peace matters more. My heart hurt. And to be honest, I think it still does. My heart hurts to know that I will probably never have that close family connection. My heart hurts to see how much healing is needed within my family on both sides. Because on my mom's side, 
I haven't spoken or seen my uncles since I was a kid, and I used to see them all the time too. So I think the hardest part about this lesson is learning how to cope with change and learning to trust people again. Because for a while, I felt betrayed by my family in many, many ways. Everyone I once knew turned to strangers before my eyes, starting with my dad. I felt rejected. I felt like my family didn't want to be a part of my life anymore. And I was confused because I hadn't done anything wrong. I was just the child who got swept up into all of it. So when I talk about my rejection wounds, it's not just about my dad. It's about my family. It's more ways than one. And then trying to be my authentic self within, you know, the little bit of family that I do have is hard because they don't view life the same way I do. They are Christians. They don't agree with me reading tarot and things like that. My dad is finally starting to come around to to it. My mom's starting to come around to astrology a little bit. But that's the point, right? The point was that I was meant to be born into a family that needed healing. I was meant to go through these experiences so that I could find my self-worth and learn how to find confidence to be myself and follow my intuition no matter how many people rejected that side of me or no matter how much I was rejecting it within myself. No matter how much I felt rejected by those around me, the biggest lessons we are meant to learn in life don't come easy. They are lessons after all, but they bring growth. And for a long time, I couldn't see the lesson. I could only see the pain. And I just wanted to sit in the pain. At one point in my life, I told myself that I would never, ever let my dad walk me down the aisle because I was that hurt by him. I didn't think I would ever forgive him. He missed every single milestone. My first boyfriend teaching me how to drive a car, my prom, he never once saw me get dressed up, he didn't go to my high school graduation. There was so much that he did not know about me anymore because it felt like he didn't put in the effort to care back then. So I said, you know, there's no way I could ever forgive someone who made me feel that way. But Our relationship took the biggest turn, and that was when my grandfather passed away. He was like my father figure growing up. He was there for all the moments that my dad was not. He told me he couldn't wait to walk me down the aisle one day, but unfortunately, he passed before that could happen. But it was in that moment when I realized that life was short, and maybe there is a way that my dad and I could mend what was broken. And I found that forgiveness, and we started over, and it didn't happen overnight. It took a lot of inner work to really allow my dad fully back into my life. And when I got married, I let him walk me down the aisle. And I had my first dance. And I remember it being such a wild feeling because I never thought that would ever have been us. But it was a life-changing moment because he made the effort. He made the effort to show up and this started this change and transformation within our relationship. And the reason why he made this effort to show up was also because I allowed him to. Because for so long, I was so hurt. I was so mad. I was so angry. I didn't give him the space to show me that he changed. And that day was hard, too, because, of course, you know, I didn't have anybody from my dad's side there. I didn't have my grandfather. But it was really special to have my dad there. And it made me realize that, you know... Like I said, you don't have to forgive everyone. You don't have to let everybody back into your life, right? But for me, it was so important to just work on healing what I could of what I had left of my family. 
and what had been taken away from us due to this freak accident that put my dad on this path that got him reconnected to his addiction. And the thing is, is he also had been doing his own inner work and he had a shift of his own. But this entire situation and how it all started because of one injury that led to being prescribed painkillers after being told that they weren't addictive and having those painkillers change my entire family, it always had me questioning motives behind the healthcare system that is in place, especially big pharma. I can't help but believe that money plays a role in all of this, which is another reason why it's so hard for me to take medication because of witnessing this experience and having it truly change my world. But this wasn't the only experience that shaped me. And I'm not saying, okay, I'm not saying don't believe in medication, don't take medication, because medication is a personal thing and it works and it helps so many people. Anxiety medication, depression, all of that. There is medication out there that does work. Believe me, there is. And I truly believe that it's a very personal choice. So keep that in mind. So after my parents divorced, it was about a year later, maybe not even, and I was at my friend's lake house the summer before eighth grade. We were tubing on the lake and we hit this wave that threw me up into the air and as I came crashing down, I ended up swallowing some of the lake water. At the time, I thought nothing of it. A few days later, I remember feeling this insane pain on my lower back and on my side. I was crying to my mom and she took me to the ER. The doctors checked me out and came to the conclusion just, and when I say che they checked me out, they didn't really run any tests or anything like that. They were just, you know, touching the area that hurt and listening to my chest, whatever else, and did a little bit of blood work. Not sure what the blood work was really checking, but they did do some per usual. I feel like that's like normal protocol. But after checking me out in that way, they came to the conclusion that it was a muscle spasm and muscle pain from the tubing incident. So they tell me to take ibuprofen and just sleep it off and that it should get better. A few more days passed and it was not better at all. It felt so much worse and I was just crying in pain to my mom again. And we ended up back in the ER and at this, this point, it took forever to get seen, but they assured me that it's okay and that again, it has to be the muscle spasms and to not worry that I was just, you know, stressing out about it. It was all, you know, just don't worry. It's going to get better type of thing. There's nothing wrong. Everything looks fine. At this point, my mom started to think that I was being overdramatic about the pain that I felt. But again, a day or two goes by and I'm on the floor in so much pain. I can barely get off the floor. I'm on the floor. I'm crying. My mom is telling me, you know, get up off the floor that the doctor said everything was fine and she really thought that I was over-exaggerating. As I'm dragging myself off the floor, I just remember telling her I'm not okay. So she finally takes me back to the ER and this time they tell me that I'm constipated and that the pain is from constipation, which I just couldn't believe because this pain felt unbearable. As I'm sitting there, they give me a freaking disgusting drink that they forced me to drink that was supposed to help with the constipation. At this point, I start throwing up in the doctor's sink after forcing myself to drink it. They then send me home with an enema that my mom had to give to me, which was so uncomfortable in itself having your mom give you a freaking enema. 
which if you don't know, that's something that goes up your butt to literally make you go to the bathroom. It was insane. And on top of that, I had to drink the drink again. So naturally got sick yet again. And after that, I remember just barely feeling conscious at this point. I told my mom, I really don't feel good and I feel like I'm burning up. So at this point, she checks my temp and it was 104. I remember her just throwing me into a cool bath and she finally starts believing me and all of my pain. She didn't want to take me to the ER again. So the next day I was brought into my pediatrician's office. And as soon as I checked my oxygen level, I remember them just yelling for an ambulance to be called. I had dangerously low oxygen levels with a very high fever. I get rushed to the hospital and it was a terrible ride. I just remember them not being able to find, you know, my vein and every bump was just a poke and a prod. I get to the hospital and they finally run additional tests. Come to find out, I had a staph infection in my blood and staph pneumonia that I have had now for weeks developing that they missed. They continuously made me feel like I was over-exaggerating about all of my symptoms and I felt as if no one was taking me seriously. At this point, the infection was so bad that it actually took them a long time to find an antibiotic to fight off the infection. My mom told me after I got better, of course, because she didn't want to freak me out, but I actually almost died. I remember my family coming in and praying over me. I, I was in the hospital for a while and they also had to put a pick line in me that I had to manually inject medication through three times a day for three months. And the medication made me so nauseous. I could not shower properly. It was summer and I couldn't swim or really do much of anything. And for the first half, I was still in a lot of pain due to the infection and pneumonia. Getting out of bed was really painful. But as I look back at this experience, it just further reflected feeling, you know, that my feelings, my emotions weren't valid. That anytime I opened up about how I felt, I was constantly rejected and shut down. It also further amplified my lack of trust in the healthcare system and doctors. And recently, I had another experience that really triggered this in me. For those of you who have been following my journey, then you know that I have been struggling to conceive. In April, it will be two years of trying. When I first started looking into possible options and help with fertility, I quickly got reminded of the trust issues that I have with healthcare. And I also recognized that a lot of these experiences are reflecting back to me this hyper-independence that I have. I struggle when it comes to asking for help and support. I just wanna solve everything on my own. And maybe that's because I feel like nobody knows me as well as I know myself. So I just, I feel like I can only do things for myself. Only I know the best possible solutions for myself, which I know is not always true. That it's okay to ask for help and guidance and support. But when you've been let down or you've been, you know, made to feel like, you know, how you're feeling isn't valid, it's hard to ask for help and support. So when my husband and I started trying for our first child, it was not successful it really cut me deep in many different ways. I felt almost like this, I'm a failure mentality, like why won't my body just do what it needs to do on its own? I didn't wanna have to get help and seek out alternate routes. And then I started, you know, shaming myself, which is not great, and I have since acknowledged this within me, but I used to say things like, you're just stressed out, calm down, maybe then it will happen. But what's interesting, is deep down in my gut, I always had this intuitive feeling that conceiving was going to be a struggle for me. 
And I don't know why I felt this way, but it was like I just knew. I'll never forget when I first stumbled upon astrology and learned that Saturn was in my fifth house. When I found out what that meant and how it meant that there would be, you know, possible experiences with delays when it comes to having children, I was like, oh, of course. But maybe it was my own mindset that is standing in the way of being able to conceive and the lack of trust and faith that I have, not only in myself, but in the healthcare system and in the doctors. But let's just back it up a little bit to my experience with my fertility journey. So it was about eight months into trying to conceive when I knew that it was going to be a struggle and that it was not going to come easily. I remember the first few months of trying and getting negative tests. It was really difficult for me. I think it's because it's those first few months where your anticipation is so heightened. It's new. You're excited about something that you want. You have these expectations of how it's going to happen in your mind. It's like you can see that positive test in your mind and now it's just all about waiting for it to be your reality. I remember the first few months of trying, I was so excited. I was paying attention to every symptom and I'm like, oh my God, I think it's actually happening. I would go on Pinterest. I would save all of these ideas on how I would finally announce my pregnancy to friends and family. And the time would come to test and it would be negative every single time. And it felt like a punch to the gut. When my period came, I just remember breaking down on my kitchen floor, feeling so frustrated with every thought coming to my mind about why is this happening to me? Why can't I just conceive my child? Am I not meant to be a mom? Is this something I'm not allowed to have in this lifetime? It's a pain that is so hard to describe. I have always wanted to be a mother. I remember playing house growing up and having all of these baby dolls that I would pretend to take care of. There was nothing that I wanted more. And now again, this is also reflecting back to me, my family wounds, right? Having this ideal expectation of what family is to me and then creating this idea, um, you know, of how I want it all to play out. I want children of my own so I can fill that void that I have with my own family that I was born into, you know? And then having the reality of that not working out that way, it can feel really defeating. So eight months in, I called up my doctor and she was like, yeah, we can get you in here, but you can't see a specialist until the one year mark. So that was pretty frustrating because I felt like I knew my body pretty well and I just knew that if I was not conceiving, right then and there, then there had to have been something going on. But the year mark hit and I ended up getting in with Boston IVF to take the next steps and get testing done. The first bit of testing was scheduled and we were then scheduled to get our results about a month later from the scheduled tests. The tests included an internal ultrasound to look at my follicles and my ovaries. I got blood work done to check my hormone levels and my thyroid. And my husband, of course, you know, had his semen analysis. And it was the week before I was supposed to get the test results back. And for the first time ever, my period was a week late. My period had always been on time. And if it was late, it wouldn't be more than just like a day late. So a whole week late was very odd. I took a test, but it came back negative. So... At this point, I was like, okay, I'm probably not pregnant, but what the hell is going on? Boston IVF ended up calling me 
and they asked me about an HSG test. So apparently I was supposed to have an HSG test done, which is essentially when they go in, dilate your cervix, they insert, like they dilate you and insert a dye into your cervix to see if your fallopian tubes are blocked. Me, being the way that I am, I decided to search people's experiences with this test and instantly I became fearful of it. I heard that it was extremely painful and I really didn't want to put my body through that kind of pain if I did not have to. Plus, I couldn't have this test done until after my period had come and gone. So I wouldn't have been able to have the test before our planned results day told the woman on the phone that my period was a week late and that, you know, I wasn't sure what was going on, but I wanted to still keep the planned results appointment because I really wanted to know how my blood work looked and if there were any concerns with my husband, whatever else. She told me to come into the office to have an additional ultrasound done to see if I was pregnant since I was late and maybe the test wasn't picking up on it. So I go to the ultrasound appointment with my mom, thinking that it was just going to be a quick and easy appointment. I told the woman who was doing my ultrasound that I was there to see if I was possibly pregnant because my period was late, and that's what they scheduled this appointment for. And she gave me this look, and I can read body language and energy really well. I just could tell she was so annoyed, and she said that that's not what we're doing today. And at this point, I was a bit confused because that's what I was told on the phone and the test that she told me we were doing was one that I had already done the month before. So why would I do that again when I'm waiting on getting those results back for that same exact test? But I said, okay, whatever, let's just do it. I'm already here. So it was another internal ultrasound, but this time it was so much more painful. And I don't know why. I don't know if she was, you know, forceful, being aggressive because she was annoyed that I was trying to question what she was doing or what. But I got to a point where I just, you know, she got to my left ovary and I was screaming in pain, crying. I was asking her to stop. I said, I felt like I was going to pass out. Something is not right. My body does not want me to continue. But she did not stop. She told me that the pain will be over soon and that she was going to keep going. And at this point, I'm screaming and feeling almost violated because someone is up in, you know, that personal area and they're not listening to me when I ask them to stop because I'm in pain and I'm going to pass out. Finally, she took it out. She was, it was over and I get up and I just started throwing up instantly. I was standing at the sink in that room naked. My butt was out. All of it was out, just throwing up in this sink, feeling so vulnerable for 30 minutes, shaking, trying not to pass out. It was one of the worst experiences. It brought me back to the time when I was a child and I was in pain and they didn't listen and I got sick. It was like, I know my body. Why aren't you listening to me? So after that experience, I get a call the next day and they told me that I was not pregnant, but it was possible that I had a very, very early loss, which could be why my period was late, but that it was hard to say, but to just keep an eye on my period and then make my appointment for the HSG test the next time around. But I still wanted to get my results back and I reassured her that I wanted my results appointment. I got a text from them a few days later right before the appointment to confirm the appointment, which I did, and it was a scheduled Zoom meeting to go over the test results. I show up for the Zoom meeting and waited and waited and waited, and 30 minutes go by and no one showed up. 
So I call them, I'm asking, you know, what's going on? And they transfer me to a voicemail box. So I had to leave a message. They eventually called me back to tell me that the appointment was canceled because I had not gotten my HSG test done yet. At this point, I'm furious because I had confirmed my appointment and I was never told that it was canceled and I wanted to know the results of the test that I had been waiting for that I paid for or that I am paying for. And she told me I could not have the results appointment until I went through and paid for this other test and until I went through the HSG test. So now I'm like, how is this fair? I'm paying for these tests and you're telling me I have to go through and pay for another one before I can get the results to the previous tests? I want to know my hormone levels. Explain to me what you saw in my ultrasounds. Why did it hurt so much to the point where I got physically sick? Tell me anything. But no, they wouldn't. So I had to part ways with them, and when I did that, they sent me my results without explanation. So I'm looking at them, and I'm like, what the hell does this even mean? I don't understand any of this. I had to Google things, and I still couldn't understand it. So then I finally was able to get to my OBGYN to explain to them what had happened and to just get an explanation from them, hopefully. And even she struggled a little bit to understand it. But essentially, she said, you know, Everything blood work wise looked normal and apparently my husband's all good. So my next step would be to get that HSG test done. But it was the fact that you couldn't simply just give me that peace of mind by going over those test results with me and then being like, okay, everything looks normal. So the next step would be the HSG test. They couldn't even explain that to me. And now I have a bill of over $1,500 to pay for these tests that they refused to just sit down and go over with me. And I can't have any other tests done with them until that bill is paid. And to be quite honest, it's just been this experience for me where I have dealt with doctors and nurses and people in the healthcare profession that just lack compassion, which is shocking because my friends who work in healthcare are some of the most compassionate, kind people that I know. And, you know, I know that not everyone is like this, but I keep asking myself, why is it that I am continuing to have experiences like this? And again, it's really triggering my trust wound that I have with healthcare and all of the personal experiences that I have that have really tested me when it comes to trusting other people, especially with my health. At the end of the day, I find that we all have very specific journeys and lessons that we are meant to go through in our lifetime. And I really believe that mine is learning how to trust my body, learning how to listen to it, learning how to trust my intuition. If something doesn't feel right to me, then I need to trust that feeling. Even if someone is telling me that how I'm feeling is wrong and that I need to just push off that feeling and follow their lead, especially when it comes to my body and making choices based off of what I feel is right for me and my body. Because it's my body. I'm the one that has to deal with the consequences of what happens to my body based off of personal choices I make when it comes to my body. So I'm going to do what I can to protect my body in ways that I see best fit. In human design, I actually have sacral authority. I'm meant to listen to my gut and really check in with how my body feels. My strongest sense is feeling. So maybe you're someone who can relate to some of my experiences. Maybe you've been made out to be some kind of liar. You've tried so hard to just make people understand how you're feeling and they just don't believe you. 
Maybe your intuition has been tested so many times where you intuitively know what's right for you, but everyone around you is trying to get you to take a different route. I think all of these experiences really come back to me needing to continue to trust my intuition and know that not everyone in a role of authority has everyone's best interests at heart. Sometimes there are, you know, corruption and people being led by money. But I'm really just trying to work on healing some of those wounds that I have, you know, where my trust has been broken, where my boundaries have been crossed and just really find that balance again so I can get to a point where I am accepting help and being okay with trusting other people to help me. Because for so long, I have been let down by people who were supposed to help, which is why I feel so strongly about the change that I wish to see within not only just the healthcare system, but even in the education system. I know there are people that work in the education system and in the healthcare system that mean well, that want to help, that have a heart that is led by compassion rather than money and greed. And you know what? Maybe that's why I was put into situations where I had been let down by people in healthcare so that I could be a voice that shines a light on where there needs to be change. Because if you're not experiencing things like this, then how are you supposed to see the corruption that takes place? How are you supposed to see where the system may be broken? How are you supposed to see where there needs to be change? And that's why I love listening to people's personal experiences because it does offer a different perspective. And it does offer me the opportunity to show compassion when people experience things that are so different from what I personally experience, you know? And at the end of the day, I guess the real message from all of this is that it's so important for all of us to remember that at the end of the day, we know ourselves best. We know what is right for us and to really listen to your intuition, even if you are made out to be the crazy one. And to also realize that we all go through many different experiences, different challenges that shape our perspective. So if someone has a different opinion than you, rather than shutting them down, what if you were open to hearing why they have that opinion, where it stems from, what experiences they went through that made them see life that way? And then maybe you can be a little bit more compassionate when it comes to people who have different opinions and different beliefs and different experiences. That, I think, is the biggest hope that I really wanted to put out there with this message. And I hope that it resonated or helped or, you know, maybe got you to think of things from a different perspective or see things from a different perspective just a little bit. But at the end of the day, ultimately, I want everyone to just know that you should always listen to your intuition and do what's best for you. So yeah, that's, that's my message today. Thank you so much for listening. And I would love to connect with you on social media. I'm at Duclos, E-L-L-D-U-C-L-O-S. I always love hearing from you guys. Feel free to share your story with me if you have something similar. If you feel like, you know, you finally have been seen and heard through hearing my experiences. Maybe they relate to what you went through. Maybe there was a time where you felt like nobody believed you and you're like, please just help me. What is happening? Right? I am sending you guys so much love. Until next time. Mm